Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The king calls for you. You haven't heard from a king in years. And all of a sudden, the king calls. He wants to see you. Mephibosheth probably is like getting his last will and testament in order. He probably thinks, I ain't coming back here, so let me straighten up. Get all my affairs in order. Get my house in order. Because when the king calls you, you know, it's like getting called to the principal's office. Who knows? He thinks that David is going to blast him. When, in fact, David's not going to blast him. David is going to bless him. He blessed him. He gave Mephibosheth all the property. Mephibosheth comes in. He's probably knees knocking, teeth chattering. He comes in. The old king, uh, here I am. And David says, it's a beautiful story, Second Samuel 9. David says, Mephibosheth, and I just love to think about tone. Whenever I read the Bible, I love to think about tone. Like, how did he say it? Almost like when God said, Adam, where are you? Adam, where you at? Adam, what you doing? Adam, where are you? Tone is everything in the Bible. Mephibosheth comes in and David says, Mephibosheth? Remember, his father was his best friend. And they loved each other like brothers. So Mephibosheth comes walking in. David says, Mephibosheth and he greets him and brings him to the table to eat, Second Samuel 9, and then he gives him all the property and all the land that belonged to his grandfather Saul and his father Jonathan. Now listen, Ziba was the steward of Saul's possession before Saul died. Ziba made money. Listen to me. This is a very close uh, uh, key to the story. Ziba made money managing Saul's estate. But when Jonathan died, David gave Mephibosheth everything that belonged to Saul, and he made Ziba his servant, Mephibosheth's servant, forever. With that in mind, verse 1, David is coming round the mountain, and here comes Ziba with a few donkeys. He has 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins. 100 summer fruits and some wine. David said in verse 2, what's up? Why have you brought all this to us? Ziba said, well, I just thought I would do something nice and bring some donkeys, bread, summer fruits to eat. Y'all got to eat, you know. Just in case you've got some downtime and you guys are sitting around and you feel a little bit of faint, yeah, drink some wine. David said in verse 3, where's Mephibosheth? And Ziba said, He's waiting, look at the statement, saints. He's waiting back in Jerusalem. 
basically saying, waiting for you and Absalom to destroy each other, and then the kingdom will be restored to his family. Now listen, you're taking notes in your Bibles? Write this next to that statement. That's a flat-out lie. That is a flat-out lie. And we know that from 2 Samuel 19. Don't turn there. We know that from 2 Samuel 19. Ziba is looking for opportunity. Ziba is positioning himself. 2 Samuel 19, 17 also tells us that Ziba had 15 sons. He had 15 sons and it tells us he had 20 servants. So remember, he was making money off of managing an estate, but he's no longer making that money now. So he's positioning himself, and he has 15 mouths to feed and 20 servants that work for him. It is possible that Ziba thought that he should have gotten all that Mephibosheth got from David. David is coming down the mountain of olives, and Ziba tells David a bona fide face lie, maybe because he's now just Mephibosheth servant, no longer overseeing an estate. Now you're just a servant to Mephibosheth. Maybe his pride is hurt. But we know the problem with lies, don't we? They always catch up to you. Second Samuel chapter 19, you can read this in your own time. But after Absalom, listen, died, David runs into Mephibosheth and he asked him why he didn't come. And Mephibosheth said, because Ziba lied and said, no need for me to come. I got this. Read it for yourself later. We don't have time. Second Samuel 19. So Ziba lies. I think this info from Ziba had to be tough for David because it seems like at this point in his life, everybody has turned their back on him. The hearts of all the men of Israel have turned against David. His own son has turned against him. His best friend Ahithophel has turned against him. And now another person who David helped, which would be in his mind, he doesn't know it's a lie. So in his mind, Mephibosheth, whom he helped, has also turned against him. So David is probably at this point going, man, everybody is turning against me. But notice David's response in verse 4. Notice how he responds. David said, Ziba, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. Remember, he doesn't know that he's being lied to. Are y'all getting that? Ziba said, oh, I humbly accept this check. I mean, I bow before you that I might find favor in your sight, O oh my Lord, O oh my King. Proverbs eighteen thirteen: He who answers a matter before he hears it all, it is folly and a shame to him. See, David gave away Mephibosheth's possessions, not really having the whole story. David made a rash decision, and he gave away all Mephibosheth's property to Ziba, and that's exactly what Ziba wanted. Now, that being said, look at verse 5. Now, when King David came to Baharum, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shammai, the son of Gerah, coming from there. And he came out, note this, saints, cursing continually as he came. And he threw stones at David. 
And all the servants of the king and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Also, Shammai said thus when he cursed, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil, David, because you are a bloodthirsty man. And Abishai, the son of Zorah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Please let me go and take his head off. But the king said, Love me some Abishai. The king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zorah? So let him curse. Because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? I'll explain. And so David said to Abishai and all of his servants, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life? How much more now may this Benjamite, Saul's tribe, let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered it. And it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shammai went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw stones at them and kicked up dust. Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary, and so they refreshed themselves there. Okay, stop right there. Give me your attention. Let me tell you what's going on. David came to Baharum, and a man, as the Bible tells us, a man from the house of Saul, his name is Shammai, sees David, runs out of the front door, picks up some stones and some dirt. He starts throwing the stones and cursing David out. Verse 6 tells us he threw some stones at David and all of his servants. That would mean the Jerethites, the Pelethites, the Gittites, uh, Abishai, and General Joab, which it is not wise to throw stones at General Joab, okay? That's not wise. David is thinking, oh, great. Everybody in Israel hates me. My son hates me. My best friend hates me. I got all those wives. Surely one of them hates me. Mephibosheth hates me, and now this guy Shammai is throwing stones and dirt and cursing at me. He hates me. It can't get any worse. Listen, don't ever say it can't get any worse. Because just when you say it can't get any worse, guess what happens? It gets worse. Y'all some smart folks. You is smart. You is kind. And you is important. Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar was a motivational speaker. And he said, when you throw dirt at people, you're not doing a thing but losing ground. I like that. Jesus said in John 8, 7, Jesus said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. This guy has the audacity to throw stones and curse the king. Think about the audacity to speak to the king that way and his servants that way. Who does this guy think he is? The gall to speak that way to one of the greatest men of God who ever lived. Shammai in verse 7 is screaming, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty men, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil, 
because you are bloodthirsty. Now listen, Shemaiah is saying all this is happening to David because David wiped out the house of Saul. Shemaiah is rude, disrespectful, and what he is saying is not true. It is not true. If you know your Bibles, you know that's not true. Verse 8, the Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul. You are caught in your own evil. That's not true. He's wrong. None of this came upon David because of what he did to Saul. As a matter of fact, saints, don't y'all know your Bible? David actually treated Saul and his family graciously. It was David who said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness to? Jonathan's gone. He didn't have to make good on that promise. Didn't have to. But he did. Because David actually is an honorable man. He's a man after God's own heart. He's kind of messed up, but he's a man after God's own heart. Some of y'all are going to be messed up, but God love you anyway. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, he right. He right. He right. He right about that. You messed up. You really messed up. So David is a man after God's own heart. He loved Jonathan. And he loved the family of Saul. And he showed them grace. It was David who refused to touch the Lord's anointing. He was wrong because David was not a bloodthirsty man. Saul was dead because of his rebellion against God. Remember, Saul died on the battlefield. And don't you remember when Saul died on the battlefield, David wrote the man a song. That doesn't sound like somebody who's bloodthirsty and rogue. He wrote him a song, the song of the bow. We talked about it. We, we taught about it. David honored Saul all the way to the end of his life. And David didn't bring Saul and his family to ruin. Saul brought Saul and his family to ruin. And let's be clear. Shammai was right in that the Lord had brought this upon David, but not for the reasons that he stated. All of this is coming upon David because the sword shall never depart from his house. I told you weeks ago, don't lose sight of that one verse because it is woven all the way through the text until we get to the end of 2 Samuel. All this has come upon David because Nathan prophesied to David that the sword would never depart from his house. Now, in Hebrew, the word never means never. Never means never. Never, no, 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 not ever. Shall it depart from your house? So there's always going to be problems in David's life. All of this calamity had everything to do with David's sin with Bathsheba. And David knows that. He knows that. He knows that that he is plagued by that. We talked about that. He wrote about it many, many times in the Psalms. And this was part of the consequences of David's sin. As we talked about one week that David is reaping what he has sown. We all reap what we sow. If you sow the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. If you sow peas, you will get peas. If you sow carrots, you'll get carrots. If you sow oranges, you'll get oranges. Wait a minute, oranges come from a tree. If you plant an orange tree, you'll get an orange tree. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know I'm right about it. 
You reap what you sow, period. You sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. David knows that, and he knows that he is reaping what he has sown, and the enemy probably can't stop beating him up about it, and he's being beat up about it, because I'll tell you something, saints. When you sin, you can be sure, and you sin, and you sin hard, and you fall hard, you can be sure the enemy will constantly remind you. He will never, ever let you forget. The enemy will never, ever say, you know, I think I'll give you a break today. The enemy's not going to say that. He never will. When you're down, the enemy will hammer you and hammer you and hammer you and hammer you until you are dust. Right now, David is down as he can possibly be. David can't seem to catch a break. And now the enemy wakes up this guy, Shammai. And says, hey, run out there, throw some stones and call David a cold-blooded murderer and tell him he's getting what he deserves. And so, verse 9, Shammai is cussing, throwing rocks, kicking dirt. Abishai said, enough. I'm tired of listening to his potty mouth. I'm a little sick and tired of dodging these stones. Abishai said, why is this dead dog cursing my king? Let me take his head off. I love that. Let me take his head off. And this phrase, dead dog, we see it a lot, actually, in Scripture, in the Old Testament. Um, What does it mean, Pastor? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I, I, I think nowhere is it definitive in the Bible. Just, it's like, just like an insult. I think it's just more like an insult. Like, 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 I'm going to really insult you. Like, talk about your mother or something, you know? It's like, I'm going to call you a dead dog. You dead dog. And you're supposed to go, man, you say that again. And I'm going to knock out your teeth, man. Dead dog. <laughs> it's kind of like, I guess. I don't, that's, that's about all I can come up with. I mean, I... I'm not really sure exactly why, but it's used quite a bit. Abishai said, why is this dead dog cursing my king? And then look at verse 10. Fascinating. David said, let him curse. Because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Note this, saints. Note this. Why, who then shall say, why have you done so? David saw this as possibly from the hand of God. David said, let him curse me. Maybe God is in it. Maybe I'm supposed to learn something from it. David knew God was able to shut him up. So David left it to God. And sometimes when people are saying things, you just need to leave it up to God. Everything doesn't need to be handled. Remember, I said earlier that some things are are just higher than right or wrong. Some things in the kingdom are just higher than right or wrong. You can't fight for everything that is right. If you fought for everything that's right, you'd be fighting all the time. Or everything that you think is right. You'll be fighting all the time. So David said, just leave it. Just leave it. Some things need to be just left to God. You don't always have to be right. There are things higher in the kingdom. And truth. He calls David a bloodthirsty man. Listen to this. He calls David a bloodthirsty man. Listen, if David was a bloodthirsty man, Shammai wouldn't be standing there. David would have said, Abishai, bring me his, his head. 
I'm tired of hearing his mouth. If David was a bloodthirsty man, David notice, put the Shammai problem in perspective. Verse 11, David said, my son who came from my body is trying to kill me. Who cares what this Benjamite says? Let him curse me. Maybe God ordered it. In other words, if God is using my own son as a chastening rod for my sin with Bathsheba, then what am I supposed to say or what am I supposed to do? Are y'all hearing this? David says this is probably, possibly the chastening of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. David says this was possibly the chastening of the Lord. Who knows? And notice, you know, David is better than me. David is a better man than me. I probably would have said, listen, I don't know who this guy thinks he's talking to. I'm the king. Yeah, I'm running. But I'm still the king. I'm running king. (laughs) Running for my son, but I'm running. I'm the king. I probably, me, would have said, Abishai, let's get ahead of this and cut off his head. <laughs> get it ahead of this. I ain't think much y'all. <laughs> I worked on it all day long. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I think that's good, Tony. What you think? I think, I think that's good. David's better than me. David is godly. David said, God raised him up to curse me. Let him curse me. That's mind boggling. Somebody once said, more Christians are willing to be ruined by praise than to be saved by criticism. More Christians are willing to be ruined by praise than to be saved by criticism. Sometimes there are some things to learn in criticism. It really is. Criticism that comes to you the right way. There's some things to learn there. We should be completely, we Christians should be completely open to criticism. Me at Pastor Rodney, I should be open to criticism. What I'm not open to is griping and complaining. Amen. No, I'm not open to that. No, I'm not. No, I'm not open to people. You doing this wrong. You doing that wrong. You doing this wrong. You did that wrong. You did this wrong. Or what should I do? I don't know. But you did this wrong and you did that wrong. You did this. I'm not open to that. No, I'm not open to that. That's just non. It's not constructive criticism. I'm open to criticism. It says and who it is that's doing the criticizing. Some people just want to criticize because they just want to criticize because that's just what they do. But who's, you know, if you, you know, if you can criticize somebody, they should know you love them. I can deal with it if I know you love me, if I know you care for me. I'll tell you something very personal. I was talking to somebody on the phone on Monday, as a matter of fact, and something I said, um, Offended them in some way. Um, No surprise. Um, You cannot 
pastor a church of this nature, and what I mean by that is of this this uh, number of people and this uh, depth of diversity on every level, social, economic, religious, people here, here in this church from all backgrounds and all religious affiliations and all races and ethnicities and uh, economic backgrounds. Some rich folk go here, some poor folk, not so rich folk go here. I don't know if they're poor or not. And um, all kinds of people. I mean, I mean, you 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 can't pastor a church like this and not offend some. You can't pastor a church, period, and not offend somebody, because if nothing else, God's word is going to offend you, because this word is contrary to you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.